Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. We were talking about this idea of what in the world is going on. Everybody say that with me. What in the world is going on? It is a, it's a great question because I think as we were ending 2019, I, I'd say that everybody was, was pretty much ready for 2019 to be over. I don't think any of us can look back and go, man, that was just an amazing year. We all had some things going on in our lives. It seems like, man, we're just looking forward to 2020. We're looking forward to turning the page of a new year. We're looking forward to turning the page of a new decade. 2020 is going to be great. And then January hits. And then really, it's been nonstop since January. One thing after another, after another, after another. The world is crazy. The world is upside down. It's been a wild ride from January all the way up until now, August 2nd. And that, to say crazy, it's really putting it mildly. <laughs> so we're all looking around and we're asking the question, what in the world is going on? Are we about to be raptured? Are we in the middle of the tribulation? And as we're asking these questions, many Christian voices want to talk about, you know, eschatology and the four horsemen and the, and the blood moons and, the, and Armageddon. And all that stuff is good, but it does, those, those things don't really give us the answer of what to do of why the world is going crazy. What do we do? We, we, we've got to stop being more caught up in the earthly news and we've got to be more caught up in the good news of the eternal reality. And, and so what I think the better question for us to ask is, what should be our response to what is going on in the world? Not just what, is, what in the world is going on, but what should be our response to what is going on in the world? As Christians, as disciples of Jesus, what should be our response to what is going on in the world? Moments before Jesus was nailed to the cross, he was having a dialogue with the Roman governor, Pilate. And this is what Jesus said himself in John chapter 18, verse 36. He says, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. That's why I say, let's not be caught up with the news of the earth reality, and instead let's be caught up with the good news of the eternal reality. We ought to be less concerned with making sure that people know what our opinion is about masks and vaccines and riots and protests, and we ought to be more concerned and more focused on submitting our lives to the Spirit's process of sanctification. We ought to be more concentrated on building our strong families and our strong church family. We ought to be more zeroed in on ministering to people who are far from God and going to hell instead of trying to convince them to join our side of the aisle. Because that's an earthly issue. The Apostle Paul wrote this to the church in Philippi. He said this, Philippians chapter 3. He says, For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross, the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their own appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. But we 
are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we eagerly wait for him to return as our Savior. You guys, before we think of ourselves as American citizens, before we think of ourselves as Tennesseans, we ought to consider first and foremost, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. On the list of my values, I have living with a biblical worldview before I have the U.S. Constitution. World, biblical worldview, U.S. Constitution. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I don't love the United States of America. I love the United States of America. I love it, but I love Jesus' kingdom first. I voted this week. You should too. We have a responsibility to do things. But my hope is not, my hope and my trust is not in the systems of this world or politicians or policies or laws. It's in Jesus and the ways of his kingdom. So we got to spend more time on eternal things like prayer and worship and in God's word and in Christian fellowship. And we spend less time on earthly things like Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok. Some of y'all young people are like, dang, he just said TikTok. Can I believe that? He's calling me out. I remember Jesus' cousin John said something once with a very similar sentiment. He said this. He said, he must increase, but I must decrease. So let's stop spending our energy being passionate about masks. I understand. Some people are like, well, we got to wear them. Some people are like, they're going to kill us. Okay, whatever. Let's be more passionate about the eternal issues, about people going to hell and helping them avoid that. Let's be passionate about helping people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what God called them to do. Let's not allow a temporal issue get in the way of an eternal issue. Last week, we, we talked a little bit about the parable of the sower, Mark chapter 4. Jesus talks about four kinds of, of soil, which represent four kinds of conditions of our heart. And as we examine our hearts, the question that we ask is, are we doing the work? Are we partnering with the work of the Holy Spirit to cultivate our hearts to be good soil so that we receive the word of God and instead of it being choked out by the weeds and being distracted by the things of this world, instead of it landing on the path, the, the downtrodden path where, where the enemy can come and start telling us lies before the root of God's word comes and, and takes root in our heart and before it hits the stony soil where it doesn't take deep root and we give up quickly in life, instead of those things, are we cultivating our heart before God to receive his word into our life so that the Holy Spirit will bear much fruit in us? That's the question. So I started to give you five important habits to help cultivate the soil of your heart. And they, these were five things also that we can be doing in response to what in the world is going on. Because remember, our question isn't just what in the world is going on. Our question is, what should be our response to what in the world is going on? And the first thing I, I told you guys, the first and foremost thing is that we recenter on Jesus over and over and over again, come back to Jesus. Jesus is the center. He said, John 15, 4, remain in me 
I'll remain in you. A branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. You can't be fruitful unless you remain in me. If we want to accomplish our eternal purpose, then we can't put anything or anyone else in the center. Just Jesus belongs there. Not our pursuit of financial freedom, not our own entertainment or recreation, not our kids' entertainment or their sports teams, not our career, not our GPA, not even our family or friends. And when I say all that, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not saying that those things aren't important, but what I am saying is when you say that, Jesus, you're going to be the center, it means that I'm not going to tend to the other important things in my life at the expense of my relationship with Jesus. All those other things in my life are in orbit too, but I don't orbit around them. I orbit around Jesus. The second thing we said is that we stay connected to the church. God never intended for us to be connected to him and not be connected to the church. We got to stay connected to the church. I'm having conversations this week with people and urging them, listen, I know you're you, you, you're, you're afraid to, to gather. You're, you're, you're really concerned about social distancing. Don't dit, get disconnected. Getting disconnected is the enemy's way to siphon you off. How many of you, we've all seen that YouTube video. It's been on YouTube for since YouTube was invented of the little water buffalo in Africa. They got sidled off away from the herd and then a lion came to attack the thing. And then a crocodile came to attack the thing because it got sectioned away off from the protection of the herd. But the beautiful thing is, is that we see in that video, the, the herd came back to rescue that little baby water buffalo and it took on the lion and it took on the crocodile and it saved that water buffalo's life. Listen, that's what the enemy wants to do to you. He wants to get you siloed off over here by yourself. You've got to stay connected to the church. Hebrews 10, 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. But especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. But especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. JD's CD skipping, man. Especially now that the day of his return is drawing. What is it that we're supposed to be doing? Not neglect our meeting together. Why? So that we can encourage one another. So we don't get siloed off and taken out by the enemy. Staying connected to your church family better positions you to walk in your identity in Christ, better positions you to do what he's called you to do. The third thing was this, pray and obey. Wherever there's a power source, preceding it, it's a prayer source. I said this tongue twister here. Prayer is the precursor to the power and presence of God. Prayer is the precursor to the power and presence of God. And that's why we're going to enter into 21 days of prayer starting next Sunday. We're going to be doing this as a church. We're going to be having prayer focuses that we can be praying the same things together. But go ahead and right now, through this week, be getting your heart ready. Be positioning your heart to get ready to enter in to three weeks of prayer with your church family and with the church at large. I want to see God do something awesome. Last night, 
Jamie and I were having this little uh, serious slash not serious conversation about some things, some spending in our house. She's laughing. So, because it was. It was kind of serious, but not serious, but kind of serious, but not serious. She was serious. I wasn't. I was joking around the whole time. And I said, I want that, and I'm going to pray for it, and God's going to give it to me. And I'm, I'm serious. I don't know when. It might be a year from now. It might be two years from now. The Lord's going to bring that thing to me. I don't know why I even got off on this. We're talking about prayer, and now I'm talking about praying for something. The Lord's going to give it to me. I know he is. I just know he is. Uh, but I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask. Jesus said this, ask, seek, knock. Ask, and it will be answered. Knock, the door will be opened. Seek, and you will find. Right? Amen? 21 days of prayer. Let's do it. Starting next week. Prayer is like the ignition. But then obedience is like the gas pedal. It's like the accelerator. Right? James chapter 1. Don't just listen to God's word. You've got to do what it says. Everybody say, do what it says. This. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. What good is a mirror in your bathroom if you don't look, if you look at it and then you just walk away and you don't fix all the things that are in place? What good is God's word if we don't activate it with our obedience. You know, like, there's a lot of promises in the Word of God that say, uh, God will bless you if. And I'm not just even talking about the Old Testament either. This scripture right here in James, that's New Testament stuff right there. You've got to do what it says. Say it. Do what it says. I love this saying that just kind of embodies pray and obey. Pray as if everything depends on God. Work as if everything depends on us. And have fun along the way. Have fun along the way. Let's pray and obey. Real quickly, before we go home today, I'm going to give you the last two things. These are the last two habits that help you cultivate the soil of your heart to receive God's word. These are two things that should be our response to what is going on in the world. Here's the fourth one right here. Follow peace and wisdom. Everybody say that. Say, follow peace and wisdom. Because we live in a day and age when there are more voices shouting at us than ever before. Hey, follow me. Hey, listen to me. Listen to what I say. Hey, this is what you should think. Hey, this is what you should do. And you guys, if we follow the wrong voice or voices, it's going to put us in a world of hurt. And if we're listening to a multitude of different voices, it's going to leave us confused. And either way, we are not going to be bearing much eternal fruit. So what do we do? We follow peace and wisdom. We shut out the other voices. What are you talking about, J.D., other voices? CNN, Fox News, Twitter, politicians, celebrities, athletes, your family and friends and coworkers that aren't bearing eternal fruit. We're going to shut those voices off, and we're going to turn up the voice of peace.
and wisdom. That's another wonderful thing that comes when we dedicate ourselves to a time of prayer. You say, they say fasting is feasting on God. Well, I may be taking a break from these other things, but it's so I can tune in to this thing right here. I take a break from the things of earth so I can tune in to the things of eternity. We're going to follow peace and wisdom. We're going to shut out the other voices. So how do you do that? How do you follow peace and wisdom? First of all, you just ask. You ask Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, can I have your peace? Can I have wisdom? This is what Jesus said, John 14. He says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, these are the, the, the context of this. This is the last moments that Jesus is spending with his disciples before he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. So this is, imagine the big long table with everybody that's sitting on the one side for the Last Supper, okay? That's, that's where this conversation is happening. I don't really think they were all on one side of the table. That's just kind of stupid, but anyway. He says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things. He'll bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And then here's the thing right here. Peace I leave with you. I give to you. Not as the world gives to you. It's a different kind of peace. And Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. James, the brother of Jesus, said this, chapter 1, if you need wisdom... Ask our generous God, and he'll give it to you. He'll give you all the wisdom that you need. He won't rebuke you for asking. Have you ever, as a kid, or maybe even as an adult, you've asked somebody a question, and you feel sh- kind of sheepish about it. You're like, oh, this is kind of a stupid question. And, you're, and sometimes it, people that you're asking the question to are very gracious, and they're like, no, that's not a stupid question. But sometimes every once in a while, especially as a kid sometimes. You kind of get rebuked sometimes for asking a stupid question. God said, I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to rebuke you for asking wisdom. I'm going to give it to you generously. When you ask him, James says, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Listen, we need to understand that the kind of peace that Jesus offers us is not like the kind of peace that we think of in this natural realm. We think of peace... We tend to think of like circumstances and we want our circumstances to be peaceful. Like early in the morning, walking out to the lake or to, you know, out there and the lake is just perfectly calm and it's just like glass. And all you hear is just like tweeting of the birds. And that's peaceful. We're like ladies when the kids are out of the house and all the the chores are done and all the errands are done and you're like, I just want to go sit in a bubble bath. That's that's what we think of when we think of peace and we think, man, I want my circumstances to be like, like the water that's just smooth as glass. I just want my circumstances to be like that bubble bath. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. When we think of peace, we think that it, it means the absence of chaos or we think of ideal circumstances. But here's what Paul said, Philippians chapter 4. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. 21 days of prayer. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Jesus' peace is more powerful than the absence of chaos. 
Jesus' peace is superior than just having ideal circumstances. Why? Because you can have Jesus' peace in the midst of chaos. You can have Jesus' peace in the midst of unideal circumstances. You can have Jesus' peace in the middle of a world that's been turned upside down. Everyone else is following the voice of worry. Everyone else is following the voice of commotion. It's like, ah! That's the world right now around you. Ah! You're not going to get coronavirus, I promise. Ah! But not you. I have peace. I'm not joining in with that. I'm not joining in with the commotion. I'm not joining in with the worry party. I have the peace that passes all understanding and it guards my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. The world says, hey, let's get hysterical. Let's get worked up. The world says, if it feels good, do it. The world says, hey, everybody else is doing it. Why aren't you doing it? But you're not following those voices. You asked God for wisdom, and he gave it to you generously and without rebuke. And that's the voice that you're following. And you know what? When we follow peace and wisdom, the world, world around us can be going under, but God will sustain his people. We will stay afloat. Can I get an amen? The last thing is this. Keep plowing. Keep sowing keep watering. Keep plowing, keep sowing, keep watering. What are we talking about? We're talking about continuing to cultivate our heart to receive the word of God so that it will produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. What are we talking about? We're talking about something that we can be actively doing while the world is upside down. What should our response be of what's going on in the world? We're going to keep plowing. We're going to keep watering, keep sowing. In other words, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't give in to the temptation to throw in the towel. When you fall down, don't listen to the voice that says stay down. You get help. You get up, and you keep, keep building the kingdom of God. I'm preaching better than y'all are responding. Galatians chapter 6. Paul said, don't be misled. You can't mock the ways of God, you will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good, and at just the right time, at God's time, the time that he's appointed, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Say, don't give up. Say, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm not throwing in the towel. And then he says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. I want to say this. This is just kind of a side note. just popped in my head. We, we have quite a few people in, in our church family right now that we can be doing good to um, that are in our family of faith. You know, the frames just moved into a new house. We rejoice with you guys. Praise God. It's hard. There was a hardship. It's been a long time coming. You're in. 
praise God. Somebody go over and bless them with a meal. So they've been working hard moving into their house. We've had people that have had surgeries. Just Terry Radcliffe had emergency gallbladder surgery this week. Be good to those in the family faith. Go see her. Go minister to her. Call her up. Text her. There's others that are going through things in our church family right now. If you're sitting there thinking, he didn't mention mine. How rude. Sorry, that's just the two that popped in my mind right now, okay? I'm sorry. Hey, my grandmother died. Thank you all for being good to me, for praying for me and my family. Church, I've seen too many of my friends forfeit God's blessings simply because they gave up. They quit. They stopped short. Some of them walked away from the Lord. Some of them just walked away from their calling. They didn't walk away from God. They just walked away from their calling. Some of them walked away from their church. Some of them walked away from their family. It's sad. It's heartbreaking. And because these people gave up, because they quit, because they stopped short, they're not reaping as much of a harvest as they could have been if they had not given up. I can tell you, the last 16 months of my life have been nothing but opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to throw in the towel. It's exhausting. My friends that are in ministry, we're doing life together at a distance. We don't all live in the same town together. We call each other, we check up on each other, we see these reports, oh, another pastor committed suicide. It's heartbreaking. Another pastor quit the ministry. It's heartbreaking. Another church had to close its doors this week. It's heartbreaking. And I'm not heaping guilt or shame and condemnation on them, but I'm just telling you my own experience. I could have done those things. And listen, I'm not saying this to prop me up. I'm just saying, give you my testimony. Don't quit. Don't give up. The Lord will sustain you. The Lord will sustain you. The Lord will keep you afloat. Follow peace. Follow wisdom. When the world is going down, when the world is sinking, when the ship is going under, the Lord will keep you afloat. Why do I keep plowing? Why do I keep sowing? Why do I keep watering? Because God has sustained me. And he said at just the right time, I will reap a harvest of blessing if I don't give up. That is a promise that I'm standing on. And I want to invite you to stand on it with me. We just stand now, literally, just as an act of faith. Stand up with me right now, just as an act of faith. Just stay with me right now. Say, I will not give up. God, that's our prayer to you this morning. We will not give up. We will continue to persevere. We will continue to run the race. We will continue to plow and sow and harvest. And God, we thank you that at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing because we're not going to give up. God, we declare that it's more about you than it's about us, but us not giving up is just coming into agreement with your plan, God. By us staying in the game and not throwing in the towel, it's us saying, God, we're in agreement with you. God, I thank you. You're doing a work. You're doing a mighty work, 
and the families here in this church. You're doing a mighty work in the church family, and you're going to do something in us and through us to make a difference in this community. God, you're going to sustain us. Other people are going to be sinking around us, and that's not what we want for them. But God, we're going to stay afloat because we're not going to give up. We're going to follow peace, and we're going to follow wisdom. We're going to pray. We're going to obey. We're going to stay connected to the body of Christ, and we're going to keep centered on Jesus. That's our commitment. Holy Spirit, help us. Give us strength right now. Lord, I pray for those of my church family here in this room and those who are watching online today. They need your peace. They need your wisdom. They need healing in their body. That's uh, one person I forgot earlier. Alice Asher, she's having surgery later this week. God, we just pray for her right now. God, that you would do a work in her body. We thank you for the physicians and the surgeons and the nurses and the medical equipment and and medicine, God, to, to work in her body. But God, you work in her body. We pray, God, that there would be everything that's not right would be made right with her in the name of Jesus peace would come to her. God, I pray for my friends, God, who are, who are wrestling with, with various situations in their life, and they're in the middle of chaos. They're in the middle of unideal circumstances, but God, I thank you that peace belongs to them. Holy Spirit, I pray that you come and you minister peace to them right now. Minister truth to them right now. God, give them a word for their situation right now that they can hang on to. God, those who, who need wisdom on how what to do, God, I pray you help them. First of all, they shut out the voices of outside voices, God, and they tune into your voice, and they hear exactly what they need to do. God, I thank you. You're sustaining us. You're keeping us afloat. God, I pray for a spirit of perseverance to rise up in your church today. God, we're going to be tenacious. We're going to be people of spiritual grit. We're not going to give up easily. We're a strong family that's committed to one another. God, that we're going to persevere through difficult circumstances, God. I'm going to read it right off of your shirt, Asia. Asia, we're a group of people that may or may not be related to one another by blood or marriage, but we're committed to each other, love each other, and take care of each other, having the power to succeed through demanding circumstances, withstanding great pressure, staying firmly established without being disturbed, upset, or affected in the name of Jesus. That's what I pray over this church right now, and that's what I pray over the church in Middle Tennessee, God. That no matter what comes at us, no matter if 2020 gets stinkier than it is already, God, we're going to stay afloat. We're not going to give up. We're not going to quit. We're going to keep standing on your promises in the name of Jesus. The people of God said amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.